Today's episode of the Pretty Girl Pill Club is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you, or if you're like me and don't really leave your apartment to begin with. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. From the middle of the 20th century in the United States of America, hundreds and hundreds of teenage boys and girls are becoming hopeless dope addicts every year. It's fantastic. Welcome to the Pretty Girl Pill Club, where nihilism is our love language. This is Soph. And this is Ronnie. And this is a show where some unqualified idiots on the internet those idiots being us, with whack-as-hell brain chemistry, talk about our whack-as-hell brain chemistry. We keep it pretty light and as unprofessional as possible. So if you're new here and you think that this is in any way a serious podcast, you're sorely mistaken, and I'm sorry. You in the wrong place. You in the wrong place, dog. But, you know, there are plenty of people doing this seriously. Go check out those people. But I would say... I don't know. Stay anyway and just get real heated about it and then tell us about how heated you are about it. That could be fun. We're always open to feedback, constructive or otherwise. Yeah. I'm down for some internet blood sports, dude. (laughs) But with uh, that intro out of the way, how's it going, Ronnie? It's uh, pretty good. Surviving the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You surviving pretty well? Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot of people when they take their tests, it's like a situation where they find out weeks later that they're not, that they don't have COVID. So, you know, I don't think anybody's ever going to really know mm-hmm. if they have COVID in a timely manner. Yeah. And because it's also like, wouldn't it not show up on a test like right away if you like just got it? I don't know about that, but I feel like... Like if you were exposed like yesterday and then you go take a test the next morning. That's definitely possible. Once again, we're not professionals and this is not Mm -hmm. the CDC. If you want real information about COVID, please visit CDC. What is it? Is it .gov or .org? It's .gov, right? I think it's .gov. See, I don't even know. I don't even know the CDC URL. Fuck me, dude. Just Google it. Yeah, just Google (laughs) it, dude. Come on, you, you found this podcast. You you clearly know how to use the internet a little bit. I think another wild thing is how um, everybody else, and by everybody else, I mean other countries, got a, a pretty good stimulus, and we got 1200 for 10 weeks. Well, longer than that now. Yeah, way longer than that. And for context, if you're in a part of the world or the country where things have calmed down and lockdown is over and you're like, why are these dumbasses still talking about it every fucking week? It's because we're in Southern California, specifically I'm in Los Angeles, which currently still has the highest number of cases in the world. We're still in lockdown and are going to stay in lockdown for the foreseeable future. And you got people not wearing masks too. You got people not wearing masks. You got fucking Jake Paul and co throwing giant house parties in Calabasas and infecting like the entire influencer population of LA, which is a sizable chunk. Although I don't think it's too cruel of me to say that it's not the worst thing that could happen. Right. The the issue is that they're going to get other people who uh don't suck sick and potentially fuck some shit up. So COVID said can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop, bitch. Hopeless dope ever. Well, Ronnie already knows this, but I'll tell the audience. Uh, I I let my very unqualified friend, uh, not totally unqualified uh, friend, come over last night and tattoo a candy heart that says SSRI in it. The letters are a little bit janky, but I honestly like it. I think it's the aesthetic. Next week, he's going to come back over once it's healed up more and clean up some stuff on it. And then we're doing a a little tattoo for, for my cat. Not on my cat, on me, but like for <laughs> my cat. Cat tattoo. Yeah, don't call PETA, please and thank you. I keep telling people that and they keep being like, oh, is your cat dead? She's not dead. She's alive and well. She's 18 years old and loving it and currently taking a nap. Only those evil live to see their own likeness in stone. And and I think Sam fits that, fits that mold. 
And so she she gets to see her own likeness in stone before she dies. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been getting tattooed since I was like in high school, and so I've always been like of the of the mindset that like eh, nothing matters. We're all gonna die, and then my skin will decompose, and it doesn't matter. And like all of my tattoos are black ink, and so eventually, maybe if like it all it all goes wrong, I'll just like fucking just completely black out my whole arm and legs, and it'll be fine. I'm probably gonna cut this question, but is that mm-hmm. would that be like not blackface because it's not your face, but like on your body? Yeah. <laughs> would that be like black arm? Would that be like? Yeah, it's like akin to the when people get like really dark tans, but then their face is still like white. Well, fuck. Scratch that plan. Actually, that that kind of makes sense because I feel like a lot of the people who have like a completely like blacked out arm. Or, like, their whole body is just, like, covered in black ink are from, like, Eastern European countries where neo-Nazism is, like, on the rise. So, so I, I just had an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> A really disappointing one. Fuck. Fuck, dude. That is pretty interesting. I'm, one, afraid of needles, which is, you know, <laughs> funny. But that's, like, a lot to sit through to get a, a needle repeatedly into your skin inch by inch it's not that bad it doesn't even like seem like a needle you know it's not like getting a shot it's not like you visually make the connection that it's a needle right but my brain is like that's a needle (laughs) it's it's like a hundred needles all clumped together that's worse (laughs) oh okay well i don't think it hurts um, I mean, I'm a really bony person. That's part of the reason why my friend wanted to practice on me because the bonier areas are the more like precarious ones. And that's my entire body. It's been commented on by everyone who has ever tattooed me as far as like pain levels of tattoos. I've only had like tattoos on bony areas because that's my entire body. And then there's also some areas that are just like specifically, I guess, sensitive, like my i don't know what joint it is but the one that's like right at like the top of your wrist where your wrist and your hand connects yeah yeah that one um is tattooed over my the front of my shin is tattooed and and i don't think it's painful my friend was really disappointed by like how uh unbothered i was i was just sitting like on the computer editing some stuff for instagram and just like completely like not flinching and he's like this is disappointing i was hoping that you'd be like more bothered by this (laughs) i came to your apartment to make you feel uncomfortable come on give me something i came here to cause you physical and emotional pain and so far i've only caused you emotional pain it's honestly a little bit like relaxing because it's just it's just like an annoying like scratching feeling i definitely feel like my fear is um I'm overreacting in my fear of needles, but also big scared. <laughs> yeah. I think you just like once you do it right. and then you know what it feels like. All of my like fears of like pain are just that I'm like afraid of getting injured, but I'm not afraid of like pain in relation to like, you know, like when you get like a massage and they just like really like go in deep on like a knot or something and it hurts a little bit like that doesn't bother me because it's like, well, it's not actually hurting me. Mm-hmm. It's not causing any harm to me. It's like a benign pain. And that's how I feel about tattoos is that it's a benign pain. Weird sensations. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a weird sensation, but it's nothing, you know. Maybe it's like my version of ASMR because I hate ASMR, but like I do find like getting tattooed to be relaxing. Maybe it's that. Yeah, we'll see how, um, I don't know, (laughs) how the, uh, the, the fear saga goes for me. Because I do want like a, a tattoo on my wrist, but eh, best bone, you know? The front or the inside of your wrist? Inside. I've had the front and inside of my wrist tattooed. I My first tattoo was actually on the inside of my wrist and literally was no big deal. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, how low on your wrist? Like how close to your hand? Uh, wherever the pain would be the least. <laughs> okay, so you know where like the moon is on the middle of the inside of my wrist or like forearm? Uh-huh. That's probably like a good benign spot that wouldn't be bad. Like midway through the forearm? Yeah, even okay. a little bit lower. I think what weirds me out more than like bone is like when it's like over a lot of veins, like big veins. Mm-hmm. Or I guess are those arteries? I don't know. 
my veins are actually kind of unpronounced too so are they ligaments i don't know you guys i dropped out of college and and i was like a graphic design major so i i don't know once again not the cdc don't take anything i say too seriously but if you just don't look at it while it's happening then it's fine that's normally what i do when i give blood i just don't look yeah see you've given blood so like clearly you can handle it right but that's usually for like money or movie tickets (laughs) oh okay yeah so it's a different motivation i think it's more like people think that like tattoos or piercings or whatever will be like a horrible experience but what's more so scary to them is that they don't know what it feels like because it's really difficult to explain the feeling to people Mm -hmm. and so it's one of those things that you have to do it just to find out what it's like and once you know what it's like then it's not scary anymore the anticipation of the fear is definitely worse than the actual fear sometimes. Yeah. And it's funny because I never think about that. Every time I've like gone to get a tattoo, that's the last thing I've thought about. It doesn't cross my mind, the actual experience of getting it until I'm like in the chair and they're doing it. When I got my the front of my shin tattooed, I will say like that was a moment where I was like, oh, I didn't even like consider the fact that like... I'm getting the front of my shin tattooed today. And it was at that point, like the largest tattoo I had ever gotten. And he started and suddenly I was like, oh, this is, I'm in for something. Oh. (laughs) But it's, I mean, it's no big deal because like, yeah, maybe like when the first instance that the needle like touches your skin, that's like a little bit of like a shock to the system. And then once you're going for a while, it becomes more just like white noise. Damn. But enough about that. I have a question though, actually. Are you are you still the problem? What's the update on you being the problem? No, I I've, I've uh I think I've stopped being the problem in terms of you know, I'm messaging people back. I'm not ghosting anybody, you know. And if they ghost me, that's fine. I'm not tripping. Uh I'm working on building up those uh conversational skills again. Yeah. Also, I'm like kind of busy doing a lot of readings now, so like when I do have time to like do that, it's like once a day. So it's not really like a, I don't know. I, I kind of, I forget about it sometimes. That's probably better though. It's good to be a little bit busy so that you're not too like hyper-focused on it. Mm-hmm. And it's like good to not be, it's good to not be the person that always responds immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, keep them guessing, keep them on their toes a little bit. I've like had that sometimes where I go through a phase where it's like, oh man, I'm just going to like respond quickly. And then it's like, there's that phase where it's like, oh, I'm going to wait to respond. And then you get to the phase where it's like, I'm not like, I'm not timing my responses. I'm just getting to it when I'm there and I'm not doing Duolingo, you know? (laughs) I think like it's unnecessary to like purposefully wait to respond. I think it's more so just like, you having enough of your own life and your own identity and your own things going on that you're not able to respond right away. And it's more so just like you respond when you feel like responding. Right. When people don't respond right away, it's honestly like a sign that they have shit going on and that they have like their own life and like shit to do. And they, they're not like, 100 percent like invested in just like texting you back you know yeah they're busy yeah and i think that's a good thing i think a lot of my like early relationships like serious monogamous relationships were at points where that relationship became my entire identity and my entire life and maybe the person i was with like had their own life and so they weren't as constantly invested or or I didn't have their complete undivided attention. I think in those relationships, it was probably unhealthy for it to be like one-sided where I was like completely like available all the time and they weren't. And then if both people are completely available all the time, then you get into some territory where you might become like codependent. Yeah, in terms of like committed relationships, I feel like I kind of I don't know. This is this might be bad, but it seems like I probably I'm less available in a committed relationship mm-hmm. in that like I've had people go like, why aren't you texting me back? And it's like, I'm like at work. What? <laughs> like, yeah, which I, I only feel like happens when you like know the person enough. And it's like, I'm going to see you for like four hours at least after this. You know, yeah. Yeah. But I think when it's that like initial stuff, 
you're always wondering like, oh, do they like actually like me or what's going on here? Do I actually like them too? My entire inner monologue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The entirety of my inner monologue in almost every relationship that I've had has been like, oh, they don't really like me that much. And I'm like constantly vying for their attention and their affirmation. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to like give up, give up on wanting it. Yeah. It's a balance that you have to strike where you're giving people, you know, the quality time and attention and affirmation that they deserve and that you're able to give them and want to give them. But you're also not overdoing it to a point to where you're getting into some like clingy codependent territories. There's got to be reciprocity. Right. But it's also not that you're so distant that it becomes like, I don't want to say abusive, that's too heavy of a word, but like a thing where you're kind of keeping them at arm's reach just for just to have that power over them. Mm -hmm. I guess you're leading them astray, you're leading them on, you're making them think that you're more committed or you're more interested than you are, but then you routinely ignore them or, or put distance between you and in a way that is unwelcome and like unhealthy. That's like gaslighting, right? Like you sort of, yeah. I I suppose so. Is it is it completely terrible that I theoretically have a mental health themed podcast and I am googling the definition of gaslighting right now to make sure I fully know what it means? I mean, that just comes with the territory of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Okay. Um, I mean, I know what it means, but like I don't know how to like I don't always know how to word things correctly. Okay, manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Yeah, okay, that's exactly what it is then. Because it is manipulative to like ignore somebody or like not be forthcoming about things to where they have to question like whether or not you even like them. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, that's for sure gaslighting, for sure. And I think I almost gaslight myself sometimes where I think that that's what's happening, but that's not actually what's happening. I'm just being maybe overly sensitive or overly needy. I mean, it's possible, but then also like, I don't know, I feel like when you have emotions, one of the first things your brain is going to do is be like, Oh, that's not like not a real emotion. Like you're, I don't know. You don't you don't have the right to feel this way. That's true. But like you invalidate yourself. Yeah, yeah. and you have to be able to feel those emotions to like inspect them and actually say like, well, what am I? What exactly am I feeling? And and why are you feeling it? Yeah, exactly. This might sound like a cop out answer, but it's nuanced because. Yeah, your feelings are always valid in the sense that there is always a a reason for them and there's always a a source, but that doesn't mean that your logic or the conclusions that you come to because of those emotions are correct. Mm, Like the assumptions you make out of emotion. So yes, your feelings are valid and worthy of being paid attention to always, of course, doesn't mean that you're right about something. Yeah. Like a a good example is, again, like a pattern for me is assuming that people hate me or that people don't like me or that somebody is purposefully ignoring me. That feeling is valid, but 99% of the time they're just busy or like they're doing things. They're not actively ignoring me. And so that feeling is valid in the sense that it's coming from a place of insecurity 100%. Mm -hmm. So it's still valid, but the conclusion I come to that the other person is actively ignoring me or hates me is incorrect. When you inspect those emotions, it makes it feel better in the long run. Because I think I do that too. And then I have to ask myself, like, even if it's what I'm thinking is valid or not, I'll be like, man, am I being too emotional? So then if another emotion comes up, I'll like initially go like, I'm going to shut that down because I'm probably like, you know, being dumb. Yeah. And so like we have to inspect those emotions to get to like the root of it. Yeah. You should listen to every emotion, but not immediately act on them. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to shut them down. You want to process them and evaluate them, but don't act on them immediately, which is something that I'm really bad at. Again, if you're new here, uh, I have super aggressive ADHD And so that means that my executive functioning in my brain is 
terrible at its fucking job. My impulse control is really poor and my ability to ignore distractions is really poor. And so I do act on impulse a lot. Not not so much anymore. I think I have it more like under control at this point in my life, but it is something that I actively, you know, have to be mindful of. It, it, it's a matter of taking the time and giving yourself the space to kind of sit on it and be introspective rather than immediately acting on it. Right, exactly. But I think that's a great segue into our topic today. A lot of it comes down to what your love language is. How do you want to receive love? And, and this applies to friendships and also romantic relationships. I mean, it applies to literally I mean, any aspect of your life, it, it's relevant. And so last week, we talked about how we're the problem and negative experiences dating or bad dates and things like that. And so as a follow-up, we have decided to take the love languages quiz, which, of course, as always, there will be a link to the quiz in the show notes. So if you go to pgpcpod.com after the show, you can go ahead and find that link and take the quiz. Or you can just Google the five love the five love languages quiz. The one that we used is based on the book, The Five Love Languages. Gary Chapman wrote the book. You might get a good idea of what your love language probably is just based on what they are. Yeah, I'd taken the test before, I think. But also, like, I I already had an idea in mind of what I was going to get. Yeah, so I've actually taken the quiz a couple of times. I took it again yesterday because I uh, couldn't find my results from the last time I took it. And so I just retook it. And what I think is interesting is I, I think my results were slightly different this time. And that's another thing I want to point out. I think if you take this quiz, you know, at different points in your life, the results are going to probably vary because what you value is going to likely change over time. I don't know. It, it, it might be like a, a productive and helpful thing to maybe revisit the quiz like every year or so to just see how you come out. I'm just going to say real quickly what the five love languages are. So they are words of affirmation acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Out of these five things, there's one thing that you value above all else, but the way that the results are given, it breaks it down into percentages. So everybody has a little bit of each one. You value each one at a different level. My primary love language is acts of service. So the little blurb that they gave me says... Can helping with homework really be an expression of love? Absolutely. Anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on an active service person will speak volumes. The words he or she most want to hear, let me do that for you. Laziness, broken commitments, and making more work for them tell speakers of this language their feelings don't matter. When others serve you out of love and not obligation, you feel truly valued and loved. So my breakdown is acts of service, 33%, words of affirmation, 27%. So that's pretty neck and neck. I mean, only 6% off. And then quality time, 27%. Physical touch, 10%. Receiving gifts, 3%. What I think is interesting is that quality time is also ranked really highly. Because I think for me, acts of service means less about like somebody running errands for me or doing the laundry for me. I mean, that stuff is definitely in there. But I think more than anything else, it's about keeping promises and doing what you say you're going to do and doing things because you want to and you love me and not because you feel like you have to. As far as like broken commitments go, I feel like giving your quality time is an act of service. Being there when you say you're going to be there, taking the time out of your day to be around me, that is an act of service. So quality time and acts of service, I kind of conflate them in my mind. To me, the act of service that I want the most is quality time. 
That's interesting. Not a psychiatrist or, or a therapist or anything. Yeah, if we haven't but made it's, it's... it blatantly <laughs> clear already, we are not professionals. I'm a college dropout. <laughs> Here's my lack of credentials. It's interesting that you consider acts of service and quality time a little bit interchangeable because that, that means that you... I, th- I think that, that you fe- you might feel like a burden. Oh, to that's people. 100% true. Yeah. So if you're if you're conflating those, you're Damn. like, I want somebody to like be around me because <laughs> the, the only other alternative is like paying somebody to be your, you know, therapist. Fuck. Okay. Ronnie's not a professional, but he just read me to filth. <laughs> so I don't know, dog. <laughs> you might have a future in this. Yeah. That, that's precisely it. I definitely feel like a burden on people, for better or for worse. That's probably why I conflate them. But I also think that it's more so about, like at its core, I think it's mostly about being reliable and not being flaky. Mm-hmm. Because to not be flaky is kind of asking a lot of a lot of people. Like to say, yes, I'm going to be here at this time, at this place, and for them to actually do it, and like actually be there at the time that they say they're going to be there or even be there at all is a big deal. Like people are super, super fucking flaky. And so to me, if you blow me off, it shows me that you either don't want to be around me or you don't really care and that it's just another thing that you feel like you have to do and that you don't really want to do. It, It needs to come from a place of you want to do it and that's why I see it as as an act of service. But it's also interesting to me that like none of my results are so overwhelmingly, like I'm not overwhelmingly one thing above all else. That was wild to me too, because I, I kind of, when I was answering the questions, I was like, I know what I'm going for. I think the way that they like mix the questions together allows it to be a little bit lower. Yeah, well, because they basically, the way that the quiz is, if you've never taken it, it says, what is the wording? It's like, I feel most loved when, or I feel Mm -hmm. most appreciated when, and then it gives you two scenarios. And it might be something like, I feel most appreciated when, and then the two options are, somebody gives me a gift or somebody gives me a hug. And sometimes it puts things next to each other that it's pretty obvious, like they're very obviously so different. Like I feel most appreciated when somebody gives me a gift or somebody runs an errand for me. To me, I'm like, oh, well, obviously I want somebody to run an errand for me instead of giving me a gift, right? Or (laughs) of course I want somebody to help me take out the trash rather than give me a hug. Like what what is giving me a hug going going to do about the trash? <laughs> you know, a hug isn't going to take out the trash. So <laughs> so maybe I'm just like really practical about it and I'm not like a very touchy person. Although I can be. It, it just depends on the context, but mm-hmm. I think it kind of juxtaposes things in a way to where you're going to have an overwhelming reaction to it. Like an overwhelming reaction right. to one of them over the other so it's just testing like if it's this versus this it does your answer change so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a would you rather thing i think that's funny because a hug would give me the strength to take out the trash (laughs) (laughs) but again that's just me and how my responses came out yeah so great segue ronnie's primary love language is physical touch yeah so the blurb about physical touch says a person whose primary language is physical touch is not surprisingly very touchy hugs pats on the back and thoughtful touches on the arm they can all be ways to show excitement concern care and love physical presence and accessibility are crucial while neglect or abuse can be unforgivable and destructive appropriate and timely touches communicate worth safety and love to you I like, (laughs) I get a little warm when I see pats on the back. That's a wild feeling, man. Pats Mm -hmm. on the back are fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But my breakdown was 37% physical touch, 27% quality time, 20% words of affirmation, 10% uh, receiving gifts, and 7% acts of service. Think that 10% receiving gifts is is your Leo rising, my guy? Yeah, it was like I kind of... It's like, I don't want to be like put on the spot where I'm I'm given a gift and then I can't like give one back. Yeah. But then sometimes it was like, do you want to get a gift or do you want somebody like running an errand for you? And I was like, 
I can run the errand. I'll take the gift, you know? Oh, yeah. Just a few minutes ago, I literally said the opposite. Like, oh, well, I'd rather you, like, help me out with something than give me a gift. Like, it'd be wild if I went out for an errand and I came back and there was, like, some gummy worms there for me. I'd be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's true. Know. That's true. So my receiving gifts was only 3%. But what I will say about that is my last relationship was with a Taurus who has a Capricorn rising. If you know anything about astrology, Taurins are very materialistic, but not in the negative connotation, I think. It can be a negative connotation, but I don't think that's really it. They're materialistic in the sense that, like, they value physical things. Like, they're usually the type of people to collect things. Like, our boy Christian has so much fucking shit. He has so many books and mm. things like that and records and all kinds of shit. Whereas I like to have as few things in my possession as possible. And so I was dating a Taurus and... He is the same way. He collects a lot of things. He has a lot of things. He really cares about getting certain things. Like he would buy and resell sneakers, buy and resell like vintage Supreme items and other like designer goods. He would do the thing where like sometimes I would come over or, or he would come over and, and he'd bring like a Red Bull and some candy or like a snack or something, uh, something that he knows that I like like Red Bull and candy. So that's that's 90% of what I like and also 90% of my diet. And I did really like that because I think that doing something like that, I mean, something as simple as you remember what things I like and what things I'm always going to be happy to receive. And you thought of me enough to go out of your way to get that thing for me. Because it's not that I can't go get myself a Red Bull. It's that you thought of me and thought, I bet Sophie would be really happy if I came over and had a Red Bull for her. That's interesting. The idea of thought is like so important to this whole thing. I'm not even trying to drop a platitude. I'm, I'm, my brain's just like, whoa. And I'm, and I'm like kind of stupid. So I'm working this out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's almost like the thought put into love is like the key which yeah you got to understand people's love languages to really connect with them because like yeah. i can't just like move through all my relationships on like the basis that like everybody likes physical touch and like nobody gives a fuck about acts of service but then you know the flip side yeah their their whole thing is like acts of service you know that's completely opposite yeah exactly and i i mean without having him even take the love languages test just knowing him as a person and knowing that he's a taurus and and all of that and observing how he would show affection to me by like bringing me snacks and things like that and he also gave me like several gifts over the time that we were together that were really good and really like thoughtful he he was very good at gift giving and so just based on knowing him I kind of figured out like, okay, clearly like gifts is something that he really responds to. And so I started doing that for him. So he's from the East Coast. So when he would go home for different holidays and stuff, I would watch his cat for him or go check on his cat. My love language being acts of service, a lot of the time I would go over there and go above and beyond what I was even asked to do. And sometimes I would just like clean his whole apartment and stuff like that because that to me is like a show of affection but I could also see that it made him feel like oh you're doing too much for me but then also mm -hmm. like I would go and get like different snacks and drinks that he likes like Red Bull and Funyuns and whatever it is and leave those in his apartment so that when he came home he'd have like some snacks and stuff and he responded way more to that than me cleaning his whole apartment me cleaning his whole apartment he was like don't ever do that again that's too much <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel warm and that's not even those are on the lower rungs of my love language so it's, it's really yeah. yeah the thought the thought put in yeah well I, it's not that he didn't appreciate it i think he was just like didn't he didn't know how to respond to it but he also took the thing that like he took his love language out of it because you did like two things for him. You know, you did you gave him a gift and you did an act of service. I only started doing that because he had been doing it for me. And so I observed that and kind of deduced like, oh, that's something that he really values. And it's mm -hmm. it's probably, you know, it's an important thing to observe because I mean, physical touch is one where it's like people are either really like 
people either really love that or they really hate that. And so it's really important to know what it is that, that they will respond best to. If you're not feeding into what they will view as like a show of love and appreciation, they won't feel appreciated. Right. Interesting thought that I have on physical touch. I do value physical touch, but I also value just being in the same room as the other person. We might be doing completely separate things individually or like sit in bed and like we're both on our individual computers or phones doing completely different things, but just being next to each other. That said, because I also really value words of affirmation, I also see something like holding your hand in public or putting their arm around you in public or kissing you in public to be like a word of affirmation because it it shows that, oh, you aren't ashamed of me and you're willing to be physically close to me in public. Yeah, that was like a weird one for me to see like it was so high and like I kept choosing it. But also like in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I don't like when people <laughs> yeah. show affection in public. I'm like, take that home, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. But, but for physical touch for me, I think like with everybody, it's like a way, like it's the only way I could like really like connect with people without having to like say anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like you, like you can, I don't know, you can like feel the energy from my hand or whatever. And I could pass on energy. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way I think about it. I think physical touch can be very affirmative. Yeah, exactly. And this might just speak to the time of life that we're in, early to mid-20s, that you come across a lot of people that are just like not emotionally mature enough to have any like serious feelings towards you or just want to plainly they just want to fuck and Mm -hmm. I find it affirming as somebody who already went through my slutty sleeping around casual phase it's affirming to me when somebody touches you very affectionately in a non-sexual way yeah like the the pat on the back or like a shoulder touch yeah that's um that's really connecting that's like anchoring to me yeah, because it's like I'm touching you to show affection, but it's not because I'm trying to get something out of you. Like I'm not trying to uh, not instigate, initiate. I'm not trying to initiate sex or anything like that. I'm just trying to physically show affection to you. Right, and like connect to. Yeah. Well, they're all forms of connection, but yeah, 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 physical connection. Yeah, it, it shows me more so that like, oh, I'm more than a sexual object to you and that there is something more there than just like a sexual connection or like a physical attraction. That, mm-hmm. That's how I read it. But really like the physical touch in public, I you know, not like aggressive PDA, but just like very like benign, like holding your hand or something like that in public to me is really affirming. When when I was um in my more party college days, I would always like get mad when like my roommates wouldn't hold my hands while we were walking to the bar. And I was like, man, like, come on, I need it for <laughs> I need it for security. We're having a good time. That's like initially when I think of physical touch, I think of like trying to convince my roommates to to give me a piggyback ride. <laughs> I do love a good piggyback ride, but that's also because I'm a lazy piece of shit. Yeah, I right, yeah. I'm not very touchy in friendships at all yeah i just want to be carried too <laughs> yeah and they could carry the weight but yeah I, um yeah that's an interesting one i think why physical touch is low on mine is because it's only a thing that applies to romantic relationships for me whereas acts of service words of affirmation and quality time that's something that i also value most in friendships mm-hmm. but like i don't necessarily need my friends to give me gifts And, like, I don't necessarily want my friends to hug me, you know? Rarely, on occasion, when it's, like, appropriate and welcomed or or when it makes sense in the context. Like, sure, I'm not against my friend hugging me, but it's just not something that I want or need out of those relationships. Mm -hmm. But in a romantic relationship, it's obviously, like, a more important part of it. It is interesting that these carry over into friendships because, yeah, that quality time for me is second and I could see like how it's hard to like just like text your friends mm-hmm. but like when you're actually like together it, it means like a lot more yeah at least to me yeah and 
I've talked about before where I had like a very like close relationship with somebody who was just like the flakiest motherfucker on the planet and it really hurt me how much they would blow me off and would not come through or not do the things that they said that they would do and it ended up being a thing where I was like dog I can't hang anymore it's not good for me it doesn't make me feel good and I feel like I'm constantly having to justify to myself why we're even friends and I feel like I'm a burden on you or I'm being clingy or needy when I'm definitely not I'm asking for like the bare minimum from you but that is even too much to ask it seems like and I don't like feeling like asking you to show up to plans that we made a week ago when you said that you would barring some insane circumstance that isn't just like complete bullshit drama that you made up Mm. like I don't think that's too much to ask it's not and if y'all ain't uh heard that story you should watch the uh I want to say pill mill episode yeah uh listen to episode six it's a pill mill allegedly one of my favorites to be honest great episode excellence in podcasting (laughs) excellence in podcasting yes great great callback yeah, that's that's a good episode for for that story. And eventually I do want to like revisit that subject because there's there's a lot to it, but um cuz I was also that friendship spawned from my drug-addled youth and it was toxic in many other ways, but the inability to give even just like the most basic quality time was like very hurtful to me. Like she made me cry on multiple occasions over that stuff. That's just so weird because like that's not like friendships aren't something that I mean, I do hold them very near and dear, but I am like an Aquarius with a capital A. And so I do have a tendency to keep things at arm's length. And so for a platonic friend to elicit such a strong emotion from me in that way, like to hurt me that badly, that's just something I hadn't really experienced before. And I think why I had never experienced that before is probably because I I keep Mm. everybody at arm's length a little bit. You know, this thing like really exposes how you move through life even outside of like Mm -hmm. any personal relationships because I'm looking at it and like, Mm -hmm. I think one thing that always got me in terms of like doing work for something, you know, it's not like a a professor is going to put his hand on your shoulder or whatever and be like, wow, great paper, you know, and then. uh, Yeah, that would be inappropriate and you might want to report them. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then like you think about quality time like obviously a professor is not going to be like hey you want to watch this movie but but taking the time to like sit with you and help you with something or explain something more in depth to you that maybe you didn't understand or taking the time to just give you like very thorough solid feedback exactly and like that ties in for me with words of affirmation where it's like that's like the best thing i could do to make sure that i'm feeling like comfortable in this working personal relationship yeah it does carry over like in professional scenarios i really do need to be validated verbally i also really appreciate when people i'm working with cough cough this didn't happen at our old job that we can't name the company yet but someday we will expose them but Mm -hmm. people didn't value me enough or validate me enough or even see me and what I was doing enough to realize that I was overburdened. And something that I would have really appreciated is for somebody to recognize how overloaded I was and take some of that off of me. Actually, Ronnie, Mm -hmm. you did that a lot of the times. You were super helpful when we were both at that company. I mean, as much as you could, because I realized that like I was a designer and so a lot of the stuff uh, I wasn't out here on the adobes like you were yeah yeah (laughs) yeah. I wanted to say that in a way that wasn't like demeaning because you were very good you are very good at like learning things when you need to like just being like okay I gotta do this thing I don't know how to do it let me figure out how to do it and you did that a lot and you are very good at that and I did very much appreciate that you recognized that I had a lot on my plate. And so you figured out ways that you could help me. And that's something that in a professional scenario or a working scenario or a working relationship is really important because it also, Mm. it shows me that you see how much I do and that you don't think that my work isn't valuable or that I'm not contributing. You are seeing that I'm contributing, which is also affirmative. 
There were so many times when we were doing work for the company that shall not be named where I was like, I'm not doing that shit. And then they'd be like, hey, great job, by the way. And I'd be like, oh, yes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah, it, it's motivating. I think they had a mindset of, oh, let's break you down and make you hungry for it. And I'm like, that's not that's not a thing. The carrot becomes basic decency. Yeah, well, exactly. And it's like, I get like tough love totally 100% like I want honest constructive critical feedback but if you just like hurt my feelings all the time I'm not going to be motivated to do anything for you and also on the other side of that like active service is my lowest so if somebody had said like hey I did your job for you, you I'd be like I take that personally and be like what you you thought I couldn't do it yeah yeah there is a part of it where like if somebody did my job for me without asking me I would get super offended by that super like that would be so offensive to me absolutely no for me acts of service in that way the way that i would need for it to play out for it to be okay is like let's say ronnie comes to me and they're like hey i know you've been super busy with x y and z task would it be helpful to you if i took on a part of that or if i did another task for you like that's how that needs to play out is you need to come to me and number one recognize that I'm very busy and I have a lot on my plate and I'm doing a lot. And then number two, ask if it would be helpful or if it would ease my burden or my stress for you to do something for me and ask me what it is that I would want you to do to help me out. Unsolicited taking on other people's work is not what I'm condoning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause I think that, yeah. that, that, that goes into territory where it's like a pride thing for me. Cause I, I'm very like protective of my work. I'm very, I'm, I'm like, a, I'm like a helicopter mom when it comes to my work. And so, yeah, there's, there's a very specific like area where it's appropriate or there's a very specific way to go about it that would be appropriate. Mm -hmm. There's like another personality test that this makes me think about called like the working personalities test. Mm -hmm. And there's four categories. So maybe we could take it at some other point. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good idea. We should do that. We should do that in a later episode. Yeah, I think uh, all of all of you are hopefully at home and self isolating. And so you have a little time on your hands. So maybe it's a good time to take some of these quizzes and, and stuff and do some some self evaluation and figure out mm -hmm. what it is that you want to need. Maybe take the Myers-Briggs again. I've never taken the Myers-Briggs because it's too long. They're like short versions. Like I know I've done one in like five minutes and it's like a an abridged test. Is it less like accurate though? Uh, I mean, <laughs> they're all arbitrary letters of the alphabet, <laughs> but it seems pretty realistic. Unpopular opinion. I think the people that are like really into the Myers-Briggs thing where like they ask you what your Myers-Briggs type is in the way that they're like, like type A personalities, all of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, also in the same like they ask it in the same way that like I would ask you what your zodiac sign is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, y'all out here clowning on astrology, but you fucking want to know everybody's like arbitrary four letter acronym. That's like mostly concerned with like their productivity and what they can like contribute to like a group setting in terms of a functioning society. Well, I get that from astrology. <laughs> that's like the way you move. That's like a little bit more spiritual in turn. It's more spiritual and like abstract instead of like a how would you work in this situation? And that's like, true. What can you bring to the table? That's true. So Myers-Briggs is more like very specific about like in certain circumstances, I will say that. I'm not spiritual at all. I, I guess I would call myself an atheist, but I grew up in a household where my parents were very into astrology, and so I just grew up with it, and so I'm very familiar and comfortable with it. And to me, it gives me a lot of like insight and points of introspection, and I get a lot out of it. I take it as a thing that just prompts introspection. I think that... I have the ability to think critically enough to where I can take the more abstract ideas of astrology and apply them to specific situations. Mm -hmm. That's a little that makes sense. That's a little bit mm -hmm. of a dig. Sorry, not I, no, I'm not sorry. I take that back. I'm not sorry, but it was kind of a dig. They're really two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah, bit. exactly. I think they give you basically the same 
at least for me, I think it gives you basically the same information. One is just a little more abstract and one is not as it's more concrete. The Myers-Briggs thing for me, I'm just like, I'm like, if I'm going to take it, I should take like the longer test. And I don't really want to do that because it's long and I have ADHD. Mm. So I don't know my type. I could probably guess it if I like went through the letters and saw what the options were. I could probably just figure it out because I I think I'm very self-aware and I know myself pretty well. I know how I function in the world. That said, I'm not like discouraging people from like that. I'm just saying like why I've never taken it. While we're home alone or if you're not in an area where you need to be in lockdown and you just feel like being by yourself, because you're an aggressive introvert like me, you know, maybe take some quizzes like the love languages. Oh, we would also recommend the highly sensitive persons test. We took that in episode seven. That's a good one too. Maybe Myers-Briggs if that's what you're into and do some self-reflecting. Self-reflection is key. It's key, dude. Hopeless doping. I have a confession to make. Is this the uh, confession that you wanted to make yes. that you said, don't let me forget? Okay. Yes, and cool. I did remember it. Remember how last week I said that I hung out with that dude and we've just like kind of had things off and on over the years? Yes, I and faithful fans remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all, all three of you. Three might be generous. I don't know. But <laughs> last week I talked about that. And then we hung out again this week and a couple of interesting things came out of that, which I'm going to get to after this confession. So during, during the, the, the sexy stuff, I got really distracted by like an ingrown hair on his leg. And like, then for the rest of the time, I was like, I want to fucking pop that thing so badly. Was it coming out of a mole or was it just on on regular? No, it was just on regular regular skin. skin. It was like clearly like it looked like a pimple, but if you looked at it closer, like it's an ingrown hair. Uh, That's like become like a kind of pimply thing because of the ingrown hair. Right. And it took every ounce of strength and willpower in my body to not just like non-consensually go for it. Mm-hmm. As a physical touch person, I would have touched it, but that just make God. I know, but I was like, it would be so weird if I did that. Mm-hmm. I haven't broached the 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 topic yet of how much I like popping things. You gotta show them a pimple popping video and be like, "Damn, you wanna you wanna like try that in some form?" <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that for me is like that. That's my that's my porn. That's also a very Aquarius thing. Like I, I feel like I, I dated an Aquarius who who would have done the same thing. Like would have really shown a video and then been like, "Hey, maybe we could try this." I have um, read that in my astrology bible, as I call it, but it's um the only astrology book you'll ever need. I'm looking at it right now, but I can't see the author's name. It's Joanna something. I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, I was reading that, and it does say something in there about like Aquarians in sexual relationships are they're willing to try anything at least once kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and like yeah they would definitely be the one to be like hey maybe we could do that oh I meant specifically for the pimple popping yeah but yes yes, that too (laughs) well that but like no totally but also in the Aquarians are also fucking aliens in human suits we're lizard people. Lizard people are yes, fact, and I yeah and because I am one. I know I know because I am one. And as lizard people, we really like popping pimples. I can't speak for all Aquarians, but I can speak for me. And so that is a very Aquarian thing to not only be like, "Hey, maybe we should do this," and it also that thing that they want to do being popping pimples on your body. That's a really good description of Aquarians as lizard people because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, dude. See, and people think astrology is fake. (laughs) Astrology is older than Christianity. They say most presidents are lizard people. Wait. And Aquarians are presidents a lot. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The most frequent zodiac sign among American presidents throughout history has been Aquarius. I think it's tied with... It's tied with one other. Okay. My guess was going to be right. Yeah. So... Aquarius and Scorpio are tied. So Aquarian, uh, Aquarius ranks number one. The list goes one Aquarius, one Scorpio, three Cancer, because there's been five Aquarian presidents and five Scorpio presidents. Hmm. So that makes perfect sense. 
because Aquarians are lizard people and Scorpios are pure evil. I'm a Scorpio rising, by the way. Sorry for throwing you off your your full confession. I mean, that really was the confession, though, that, like, during sex, I, like, wanted to pop his ingrown hair. And then that was all I could think about. Yeah, that's an Aquarian-type beat. And I'm still thinking about it. I've been thinking about it almost constantly since then. And that was, like, the day before yesterday. I would have poked it 16 times by now. I know. Like, I probably would have poked it as soon as I saw it. I know. I know. Dude, I'm when I say that it took every ounce of strength in my body to not, I'm not fucking with you, dude. It was causing me, like, physical pain to not touch it. You're, you're way better than me. <laughs> I know. Fuck. But it was hard. It was hard. And if it's still there the next time I see him, I don't know that I'll still have that strength. The other part of this though, the interesting revelation, is that last week I talked about how like, I don't know if I'm being weird and I'm socially inept. And interestingly, he told me that I seem very socially confident to him. And I didn't even bait him. He just kind of said that. He's like, you seem like a very like socially confident person. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? Are you confusing me with somebody else? I'm lost. So that reminds me of a tweet I saw this week that's like really stuck with me. There's like so many versions of you because you perceive yourself one way and then everybody else perceives you in another way. Yeah. And like my initial reaction to that is to freak out because I can't control how people see me. But at the same time, they might think about me a lot less than the way I think about myself. Yeah. And like I might be putting too much emphasis in that and then I'm overthinking and then it's a cycle. Yeah. And I took it as a major compliment because he's a Gemini and Geminis are not socially inept whatsoever. That's good. I thought that was pretty wild. So update, I'm not the problem. And me talking about how Chris Hansen is a grifter is totally fine and acceptable and people like it. And that's my truth and I'm sticking to it. Gotta love a good grift. I love a good grift. We love a grift. We love a scam. Wow, another callback. We did an episode with Sue Smith of the Scam Wow podcast a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. And if you like scams, that that's the episode for you. Um, also, our episode on better help. Wow, we, we've plugged a lot of past episodes in this one. Damn. So I like actually have been getting a lot more better help podcast ads really? lately, like in the past week. And I... They kept they kept saying we have licensed professionals and I'm like, I'm getting close. Oh, do you now? I'm getting close. Oh, do you now? And it's like from Dateline, so I feel bad. Huh. Um, I don't know how honest it is, but... You know what's interesting about it being from Dateline is that Chris Hansen in a live stream, uh, was it last week? Yeah, I think it was last week, did a live stream where he was doing an AMA, but he only was answering questions that he wanted to answer. But theoretically, he was supposed to be addressing the controversy. And he did get a question about like helping victims out with mental health support. And he was like, yeah, I think it would be great if uh, if we could get some sort of partnership or, or something, I don't know, with something like better help. And I fucking died. The scams coincide. You're a grifter. The connection there being that Dateline NBC, Chris Hansen of To Catch a Predator, Dateline NBC, and all of that. And that that's wild. It's bold that they're saying licensed professionals, though. I wonder if I wonder if uh, they've made some changes to their to their business model or anything. I don't know. I would need I need to see the receipts. And that's the thing. It could be like a, a where like we did the episode and then I started like really thinking about the the way the ads are like, you know, what they say mm-hmm. in them. But that like stuck out to me. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, we might have to do a follow up on that in the future. Scam Watch Daily. Scam Watch Daily, baby. Uh, mental health edition. Yeah, I am going to have to look into that. I'm going to have to get some receipts on that and, and see what's up. But we should definitely follow up on that. I also showed him the Mark Zuckerberg smoking meats video. What? You don't know the Mark Zuckerberg smoking meats video? No, I don't know what that is. Oh I don't know. My fucking that pattern god. Of words. Everybody pause this episode right now and look up Mark Zuckerberg smoking meats. As far as like sound bites go, it's up there with like George Bush doesn't care about black people. Like it's up there. Anyway. Like is it this video he posted? Yeah. It was when Facebook Live came out. He 
went on Facebook Live and was like, hey, it's me, Mark Zuckerberg, here in my backyard. <laughs> and, and he's like, and I'm smoking meats. And like he goes on explaining like how he smokes meats. <laughs> and he says the phrase smoking meats like 84 times. I shit you not. And it's so uncomfortable. And <laughs> it's so fucking funny. There's like some compilation. I'm watching it now. There's dying. there's like a couple compilation videos where they just cut together all of the parts where he says smoking meats and then also all of the long awkward pauses. And it's the best thing you'll ever see. Anyway, the point was I showed him the Mark Zuckerberg smoking meats video and it it was a it was a great uh it was a great not icebreaker but like it was a fun moment. And so I highly recommend sending people uh, your favorite, your favorite weird memes. That's so funny. Send them the send them the 2007 George Bush doesn't care about black people video. Send them the Mark Zuckerberg smoking meats video. I gotta start sending out that a uh, video where it's um Rick Ross saying I eat pears and shit. Shout out to all the pears. Mm-hmm. But it's the vine where like the pear is about to hang itself, and then it it sees Rick Ross says that <laughs> and it gets its life together. <laughs> I don't know. It it might be a good gateway in forging good conversation. Who knows? You know? Most definitely. People like memes. <laughs> People fucking love memes. Also, Mark Zuckerberg is not a human, and that's abundantly clear. No, he's a lizard person. Just watch the smoking meats video, dude. <laughs> that's all the proof you need. Nobody says that. Smoking meats. I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah, no, nobody says I'm smoking meat. <laughs> oh my god. God. Usually like cringy stuff makes me really uncomfortable with but with Mark Zuckerberg, he's like subhuman, right. so it's different. Oh my god, yeah. What reminded me of that video recently was it was the video of him addressing Congress. And they cut that together with the smoking meat <laughs> video. So where all of his responses to the questions from Congress were just like bits from the smoking meats video. And it is the best thing I've ever seen. If I find it, I will link it. Actually, I will make it a point to find it because it is so fucking good. That's wonderful. Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking a class where I'm watching films, right? Mm-hmm. And... We had to watch Nosferatu. That movie was whatever, but uh, I was worried about the cat the whole time. And like, we also watched Alien and I was worried about the cat the whole time. So like, if I see a cat in a horror movie, I'm like already on the edge of my seat. Oh my God, yeah. I, I only recently got over my fear of horror movies, but if there's an animal in the movie, I get so scared, I can't do it. Because I'm like, oh, I hope nothing happens to the animal. Mm. Do whatever with the people, like that's fine. I don't care about that, but like keep the animals out of it. That's too far. I was like two hours in the alien. And I was like, where's the cat? <laughs> but where's the cat? Dude, that's always my thought too. I'm always so concerned about that. I, I literally, nothing will upset me more than like something happening to a cat or like a cat being alone or like a cat being in harm's way in any way. I will start crying if I talk about this too much longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a dark note to leave it on. But I did have a terrible dream last night about my cat dying. And it was horrible. And I woke up with her on my face. And I was like, everything's okay. <laughs> we're all okay. We're all here. We're fine. And now we're here. Dark note. We got to leave it on a, like a slightly nihilistic note. Or or what are we even? The whole the whole ethos of the show is, is forsaken. That was on today's club agenda. <laughs> That's true. Nihilism was number one. We're all gonna die. That that's my closing message to you. Is that is that too far? No, not at all. And if it is too far, good. I'm leaning into it. It's it's true. Oh man, there's a really good Philip DeFranco podcast episode where he interviews his five year old son, and at one point in the conversation, his five year old son says, One day we'll all be skeletons. Which sounds a lot more fun than it is, but yeah. <laughs> And I don't like kids, and I never understand when people say, like, oh, yeah, kids say, like, such interesting things. I'm like, no, they're dumbasses, and it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, But that (laughs) really proved it to me. I was like, holy shit, that is so fucking funny. Oh, my God. Someday we'll all be skeletons. A five-year-old. I hope one day when I have a kid, they're, like, funny or they drop platitudes beyond their years, and they're not, like, the kids that be, like, 
like beg you to turn around and you turn around and they just jump in the air like that one. Yeah, if I ever had a kid, which I probably won't and I hope not, uh, but if I did ever have a kid, I would hope that I would have a kid that would say some some shit like that to me. Well, with all that said, this has been the Pretty Girl Pill Club. Drink your water. And take your meds. And if you have any, you know, comments, questions, concerns, complaints, you want to you wanna tussle in some internet blood sports, uh, hit us up. Our email is pgpcla at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at the Pretty Girl Pill Club. Follow us on Twitter at pgpcpod. You can also follow at Public Notice LLC, which is run by Ronnie, and his tweets are fire, so you should definitely follow him there. That's where you should go if you want to fight me directly. If you specifically want to fight Ronnie, go to Public Notice LLC on Twitter, and then if you want to fight me, you'll go to at pgpcpod on Twitter. And then if you want to fight both of us or you're indifferent to who responds, then you can email us at pgpcla at gmail.com. And also our website is pgpcpod.com. That's really the only link that you really need to remember is pgpcpod.com that has the links to everything. And our show notes are always on pgpcpod.com. That's all the plugs. That's all the plugs. That's all of them. That's all of them. We did it. I didn't fuck it up this time. All right. Well, we'll uh, see you later. Bye. Bye. Do I smoke meat? Smoking meat. Smoking these meats. They taste doubly better.